The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 136 The Gentile City Repents Realizing they had been spotted at Nineveh's city gate, Jonah darted through the crowd of merchants and donned an Assyrian coat so that he no longer stood out. Word had reached the city already of the Israelite who was thrown up on the beach of the Black Sea, but Jonah wasn't quite ready to warn the city. With his identity concealed, Jonah started walking through the streets of the bustling metropolis. Jonah walked down the busy main street and noticed merchants selling carved idols of the gods of Assyria. The scent of foreign incense and spice from the markets filled his nostrils. Walking by a canal, he noticed a raised pagan temple dedicated to the goddess Ishtar. Lewdly dressed women sat upon the steps leading to its portico. After nearly a full day of traversing the inner city, the prophet saw firsthand why God planned to punish Nineveh. He witnessed a city full of sin, whose wealth had only increased its unrighteous acts. The prophet was filled with anger over the sins he observed. It was time to act. Jonah wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. People of Nineveh, listen to me. I am Jonah, the son of Amittai, of the tribe of Zebulun, a messenger of the God of Israel. He has sent me to warn you of your coming destruction. The all-powerful Creator God has seen your wickedness, your lusts, your adultery. Because of your sins, Nineveh will be destroyed 40 days from now. With his proclamation completed, Jonah stepped down off the cart. The stunned audience gazed directly at the prophet without saying a word. Jonah didn't know what would happen next, but believed he would probably be arrested. Nobody likes being told they are wrong, and the Assyrians were no exception. The silence that had gripped the town square was soon broken as people started to whisper among themselves, What does this mean? One of the town folk asked the person next to him, We have never heard such a warning, and in the middle of the town no less. The people couldn't believe someone would be so bold as to condemn them in their own city unless he was sincere. Surely this man realizes we could have him put to death for such speech against our city. One man said, If he did live inside a fish for three days, maybe he really is a prophet of God. Could it be true? Another muttered, Is the God of Israel really going to destroy us? As they talked among themselves, Jonah started to walk back through the center of the town square. The crowd parted to let him through, unsure whether to believe his words. As he walked, Jonah avoided looking anyone in the eye. He couldn't believe the people were not enraged by his message of doom. Maybe I've completed my mission. He thought, Maybe they will let me leave the city and go back to Israel. Just as he made it to the other side of the square, however, 
The ominous beat of hoofs pounding the ground approached. Stop where you are, commanded one of the horsemen as he pulled up on the reins. You, who claims to be a prophet of the God of Israel, come with me. The captain of the royal guard ordered Jonah. The king wants to talk with you. News had traveled fast about Jonah's speech. Now realizing he wasn't going to escape so easily, Jonah followed the royal guard. He was ready to accept whatever was in store for him. God had not revealed what would happen to Jonah once he delivered the message. Now that he was going before the king, he naturally thought the worst. Once Jonah was brought to the royal throne room, the king spoke. My guards have told me what you have pronounced to my people. He then began to interrogate this prophet. Now I want to hear it with my own ears. Jonah obliged the king. He recounted his journey from Israel, including his time inside the belly of the fish. He then told the Assyrian king the warning God had instructed him to deliver. God has told me to warn you that in 40 days your great city of Nineveh will be destroyed. Jonah stated as he finished his story. The king of Nineveh sat back on his throne as he decided whether to believe Jonah. After a few moments, he leaned forward and spoke soberly. I have heard of the actions of the God of Israel of whom you speak, and I know he is an all-powerful God and fully able to do exactly as you have said and destroy my city. However, I have also heard of the gracious and merciful deeds of your God and know he might change his mind if he sees a change of heart. Therefore, this is what we will do. You said that we have 40 days before God inflicts this punishment on us. Is this correct? Yes, that is what God has declared, replied Jonah starting to believe he would not be put to death. Then we have 40 days to prove to God that we Syrians can change. And if, in his mercy, he sees fit, he will spare our great city. With that, the king of the Assyrians dismissed Jonah, strode down the steps of his throne, and went to his bedchamber. When he arrived, he began to remove his lavish garments and sent for the royal scribe, as well as for some sackcloth. Moments later, his scribe appeared, closely followed by a servant bringing his new garments. Bring the sackcloth to me. Grabbing the clothes out of the hands of the servant, the king started to dress in the uncomfortable attire. Realizing the king was in a hurry, the scribe asked, what would you like me to record, my king? I am prepared. You are to write an official edict to the people of Nineveh, responded the king as he walked over to the fireplace. Record as follows. To the people of Nineveh speak. The words of the king of Nineveh, the king of the Assyrians, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yes, let them turn every one from his evil way, and from the violence that is in their hands, for who can tell if God will turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Quickly now, disperse the edict throughout the city. I want our people to change their ways immediately. 
Certainly, my lord, replied the scribe. As the scribe left the chamber, he noticed the king reach into the unlit fireplace, dipping his fingers into the ashes. The king then began to cover himself in the ash as a sign of repentance and humility. Noticing the example of the king, the scribe hastened to spread the edict throughout the massive city. Messengers on horseback were dispatched to read the edict in every quarter. By the time Jonah reached the city gates, he saw some of the people changing their garments. What is happening? He wondered. He noticed that stores were closing. Then the water fountains were stopped. A little thirsty, Jonah asked one of the closing shopkeepers, if he could purchase something to drink. Haven't you heard? The shopkeeper replied, not realizing who Jonah was. A prophet of the God of Israel has warned the king that we have 40 days till our city is destroyed. We are to do all we can to change God's mind. The king has decreed that all of us fast, wear sackcloth, and cry out to God for his mercy. Jonah was shocked. When he left the king's palace, he had an inkling the king might repent, but he hadn't expected the people's response to be so wholehearted. While the Assyrians were known for their brutality, they were also known for their uncompromising obedience to their authoritarian leaders. In this case, when the king commanded everyone to repent, that is what they did. Jonah continued out of the city gates and into the countryside. He could only shake his head at what he had witnessed. Along the way, he noticed farmers with large carts filled with brown, coarse cloth heading into the herds of cattle. Curious, Jonah asked, What are you doing? Haven't you heard? The farmer responded, A prophet of the God of Israel has warned the king that we have 40 days till our city is destroyed. Therefore, the king has decreed that we, as well as our cattle, take part in national repentance. We consider cattle to be members of the community, so they too must be clothed with sackcloth. Isn't that a bit extreme? Jonah asked incredulously. Not at all, the farmer said. We don't want to bring upon ourselves the wrath of God or the king. Jonah moved on once more. He climbed a hill overlooking the fields leading to the city. Within hours of the king's pronouncement, the mood of the city had changed from revelry to humility. Normally, a prophet of God would be excited to see such wholehearted, sincere repentance, but not Jonah. He was upset that this people, known for heartless cruelty, might be spared God's wrath. Oh, that the nation of Israel would repent like this Gentile nation. Jonah cried. Instead, it is a wretched pagan nation changing its ways. And now God won't punish them like they deserved. Jonah wasn't rejoicing at Nineveh's repentance. In fact, he was angry. God, however, was stirred by the collective repentance of the Assyrians, regardless of their past actions. God was pleased by the Assyrians' response to correction from his prophet. Finally, overwhelmed with anger, Jonah fell onto his hands and knees and lifting up his head to heaven, cried out to God, I knew this was going to happen when you first commanded me to come to Assyria. That is why I tried to flee into Spain. 
I knew you wouldn't destroy these people. I know you are a loving, merciful God, and that your desire to extend mercy upon any who obey you. But these Assyrians, God, they don't deserve to be kept alive. They have tortured peoples all over the earth. They intended to eventually torture your nation, Israel, and take your people into captivity. Why, oh why, will you let them live? If you let them live, then let me die. It is better for me to die than to see these filthy Ninevites living. Jonah's foul attitude was painful for God to hear. While God already knew about Jonah's resentment toward the Assyrians, he probably hoped that seeing them in person would help change his spiteful spirit. But Jonah didn't change. He thought he knew better than God. God was disappointed with Jonah's reaction. Jonah, 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 Jonah. is it right 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 for you to be angry angry with me? God asked, Just Just as as I I created you, I created these Ninevites. If I choose not to destroy them, because they have repented, am I not right to do so? Jonah refused to respond to God's questions. Instead, he continued to move away from the city in silence, allowing his spiteful attitude to grow worse and worse. It was not long before Jonah began to tire from the oppressive heat of the desert sun. In an effort to escape the sun, he gathered some sticks and leaned them against a large boulder to make a small booth. The slender shadow created by the makeshift covering wasn't very effective though. The sun continued to beat down upon Jonah who continued to stew in his negativity. With his back resting against the boulder, Jonah looked back toward Nineveh in case God changed his mind and decided to afflict the Assyrians. But after a short while, Jonah closed his eyes and slumped forward in frustration at God's inaction. The burdensome heat that he couldn't escape also wearied him greatly. Eventually, he fell asleep leaning against the boulder. Opening his eyes the next morning, Jonah was startled to see a large plant in front of him. The broad green leaves of the plant provided cover from the sun for his whole body. As the sun rose and moved across the sky throughout the day, Jonah shuffled around the plant to stay under its protective leaves. Finding relief from the burdensome heat, Jonah's disposition changed from the bitterness of the day before. The covering plant made him exceedingly happy. This was obviously a miracle from God to relieve Jonah from the heat. But Jonah didn't acknowledge God for providing the miracle, nor did he thank him for it. Instead, Jonah lay under the plant all day, not wanting to venture out into the heat. When nightfall came, Jonah once again fell asleep. This time, God had a different miracle for Jonah. In the night, God prepared a voracious worm to start eating the succulent plant. The worm started munching away, and by sunrise, the plant had withered away. Jonah awoke as the sun rose in the east. Opening his eyes, he noticed the leaves were missing from the plant. All that remained was its shriveled stalk. Immediately, Jonah's fickle heart returned to its depressed state, and he still refused to acknowledge God. As the hours passed, 
the sun rose high in the sky. To make matters worse, God sent a venomously hot east wind across the desert. Without the comfort of the covering plant, the sun's penetrating rays beat upon Jonah's head. He squirmed in agony as the sun ignited his blistering skin. When it seemed unbearable, Jonah once again declared, Oh, if I could only die right now, it would be much better for me than going through this pain. Soon thereafter, Jonah fainted from the oppressive heat and dehydration. Imagine how God viewed this situation. God could not bring Jonah to repent of his horrible attitude. He performed miracles for him. He even spoke directly to him. Yet through it all, Jonah would not acknowledge his foul attitude toward the Ninevites. But God did not give up on Jonah. He tried once more to help Jonah understand his overwhelming love for the Ninevites. Jonah, arise from your slumber, God demanded. Jonah immediately opened his eyes and realized God was speaking to him. Do you think you are right to be upset about the withered plant? God asked. Of course I'm right. Jonah responded, even as his head pounded from the severe dehydration. In fact, I am so angry about it, I feel I could die. Why do you feel sorry for the plant, Jonah? You didn't plant it. Neither did you tend to the soil around it to make it grow. The plant wasn't your creation. God was starting to reveal the lesson in these miracles for his prophet. You didn't labor for it, nor nurture it. Yet you are upset because its life was so brief. Furthermore, you think that I am unmerciful because I let the plant die so soon. Now, Jonah, God continued, If you believe I should have spared that little insignificant plant, should I not spare these Ninevites, who are my creation, as you are? All 120,000 people in that city are ignorant of the truth of God, which you have been blessed to learn. Yet, they have repented and changed their ways. As Creator, I don't desire the death of nations. Rather, I desire for those nations to repent as the Ninevites have done this day. After God delivered this powerful lesson to Jonah, the Bible does not tell us what happened next. We do not know whether Jonah finally repented of his attitude. However, some archaeological evidence indicates that Jonah became greatly honored inside Assyria. A shrine to Jonah was discovered near the ancient city of Nineveh. It probably dates back to the time of the Assyrian Empire. This indicates that Jonah turned out to be a national hero, or at the very least, a person of great respect. We can learn from Jonah's history. We see many nations around the world 
that God is not working with yet. Whether they are part of God's church now or not, God still loves all people as his creation. Soon, all will be given the opportunity to become part of God's wonderful family. God takes no pleasure in the death of unconverted people. He would much rather see them repent as Nineveh did. to be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.